Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. This morning, uh, some of you may or may not know, you might not be too into it, but last night, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers began a best-of-seven series uh, to determine uh, which team will receive what's been called uh, the most famous trophy in sports, the Stanley Cup. Uh, hockey fan or not, uh, you can probably recognize its shape. You can recognize uh, pictures like this. Uh, you can recognize all the, the massive amount of inscriptions on the side and, and players holding it above their head and even some odd photos of people drinking out of it. Uh, but you see, the Golden Knights and the Panthers uh, have been in a months-long contest uh, for their chance to do this right here to hold the Stanley Cup. So they've been, you've got traveling and injuries, the nightly abuse to their bodies, time away from their families, all to have their name on a trophy that will be given to another team next year. So that's a little something unique about the Stanley Cup is that it's not reproduced every year. Uh, when a team wins, they, they have a, a victory moment like this on the ice. Uh, that they can do all this on ice skates is really fascinating to me. Uh, but they have this moment where they're presented the trophy uh, and their, their names are inscribed on it. They get the, their team name and all that's there. Uh, but they actually the next season have to give it to the next champion team. So you don't get to keep the trophy. Uh, and every 60 years or so, as you see that it has uh, rings on the bottom, uh, they get too full. And so every 60 years, they retire one of those rings. And so you can actually live long enough to see your name taken off of the trophy that you sacrificed your life for. Yeah, think about that for a little bit. Uh, there's kind of an ongoing tradition with the, the Stanley Cup that the, the, each player of the winning team gets 24 hours of personal time with the cup. Uh, and, well, the cup's official chaperone also joins you. Uh, and so in its lifetime, the Stanley Cup has been kicked, thrown into a pool, eaten out of. Now just hold your breakfast down for just a second. But it's been pooped and peed in by various infants uh, that where their parents were trying to get their picture in the top of the cup. And people still drink out of it. Yeah. Uh, it's been knocked over, dropped more times than you can count. And it needs repair on pretty frequent occasions. Yet that's what 40-some players are giving lots of their blood, and as you can tell, most of their teeth for their chance to hold the Stanley Cup. And from the comfort of our living room, it's really easy to look at all of that and go, what's the point? What's the point? But just wait just a minute. Before we get too down and critical on hockey players, I think if we're to take an honest inventory of our lives, it's sometimes easy to have Stanley Cups that we're sacrificing for that we're maybe shedding blood over. 
degrees, job titles, certain square footages or vacation destinations, awards and titles, things that we're leveraging our lives and placing high value and meaning on. As we continue in our teaching series today, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was a man with an incredible trophy case. It was better than the Stanley Cup. He was an award winner, if there ever was one. And yet he doesn't brag about any of that. And, and to be most true to his real feelings, I actually would need to amend that to say he actually hates them. All of those things he used to count on, they used to be his goals and his trophies, he says is actually garbage. And you go, what on earth causes a man to say that? What changes his perspective, changes his view? What warning should we learn from that as we live the Jesus life? Well, that's our journey through today's teaching text and our series, Living the Jesus Life. We're in part six of a nine-week journey uh, through Paul's letter to believers in Philippi. Uh, it's a letter of friendship. It's a letter of encouragement and rich teaching and exhortation uh, to living a life focused on the person of Jesus. Uh, last week, uh, we left off at verse 18 of chapter 2, and we were wrestling with Paul's words, his instructions, uh, that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, and now we know that, that he was not saying that we have to work to earn our salvation, but that we are to give our utmost attention, our focus, we're to leverage our lives on working out the beautiful life that God has worked in us through Christ Jesus. And that's really the essence of what it is to live the Jesus life, to focus on him, to leverage ourselves for the cause of Christ and, and seeing the life and the mind of Jesus exhibited in our thoughts and our attitudes and, and how we treat people who cut us off on 33 and, and our patience at the DMV and every aspect of our lives is to conform to the life and the way, the person of Jesus as he's revealed in the Gospels. That's the essence of living the Jesus life. And as we continue in chapter 3 today, so you, you can see we're taking a little bit of a leap. Uh, and, and it's only a nine-week series. We had to take a couple jumps throughout the text to get through it. Uh, but after the section of, of working out your salvation, Paul really gives some personal uh, updates, some personal information. He's talking about his travel plans, what he hopes to do. Uh, and he's also talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus uh, and their travel plans. And, and you see in there... Uh, that it's a really good reminder that we're not just studying a theological textbook. There's rich truth and there's things we're learning, but this is a letter <laughs> written by a real person who had real friends and real concerns and it involves real people. And so as we begin chapter 3 today, we're going to continue on and we're really taking on uh, Paul's second big concern, second major emphasis in his letter, and he's, he's going to essentially say, beware of empty religion. Beware of making your trophies your treasures. So let's dive into our teaching text today. In Philippians 3, we're going to begin at verse 1. The text will be on the screen. It should also be in your version app if you use the Bible app. We have an event there uh, every week. Uh, so if you want to follow along, there's notes there. But Philippians 3, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through the beginning of 4a. So, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. So what, we're, what he's reading, what he's talking about, 
It's no trouble to go there again. It's actually a safeguard, a protection. He says, verse 2, he says, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Uh, Have you ever accidentally uh, walked up on a conversation between two people and as soon as you get close enough to hear what's going on, you realize that it is a heated conversation? Like they're neck deep in debate and it's getting heated and you just have this really awkward feeling like you want to disappear into a wall (laughs) or you want to like back your way out of that room because it's just really awkward. It's easy to kind of feel that way reading and hearing this text because the language is so strong. It is so uh, pointed and it feels like one of those conversations. But what we're going to see and what we need to lean into is that Paul's passion here, this strong language that he's using is warranted. And We need to hear and we want to hear the lesson. Because you see, there's a truth and there's warning that holds true for us today. And see, before Paul ever really gets into the nitty gritty, uh, he, he stops to remind his readers, first and foremost, that they should rejoice in the Lord. Joy is, is a popular theme uh, throughout this letter, and he's, he's reminding them once again here to take celebration, to take joy in their relationship, their fellowship with the Lord, to make that a focus, a priority in their lives. And that is a safeguard. That focus on Christ and rejoicing is a safeguard for them. And as he begins, we also get the sense that this isn't the first time they've had this conversation, right? He says, it's no trouble for me. I don't mind going down this road again. I don't mind unpacking this truth because it's important for you. It's a safeguard against the opposition and the enemy that you are facing. So his warning begins there in verse 2. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, if you're a dog lover here, you can exhale. Paul's not talking about our pets. So Fido's fine, we're good. We're gonna, he's talking about something else. You see, when he says watch out for those dogs, he, he's talking about a, a group of, uh, you might say, arch enemies of the gospel, a group of people called the Judaizers. Now, in this, in this context, in this culture, uh, Judaizers believe that to be in right relationship with God, uh, to be in right standing, to experience righteousness, uh, meant that you really needed to believe in Jesus And you needed to take on some of the old Jewish rites and traditions. The Judaizers preached a gospel that was Jesus and. And that's a very dangerous, very dangerous belief. That they taught, they were trying to convince people that you couldn't possibly be a Christian in right relationship with God without also taking on these other things. You see, for the Old Testament Jews, if we were to rewind and look at the story of the Old Testament of God's people, much of their relationship in that time, in that context, uh, in the Old Covenant, it it was around uh, ritual and dietary laws and practices and the rite of the circumcision. Those were expressions of their relationship with God. But there's an important distinction. All of that was before Jesus. That was the way to relate to God before Jesus. Because Jesus in his life and death and resurrection, he is the new covenant. He is the fulfillment of all those laws, of all those rituals. They're found in him. 
And so now that we can experience Jesus, those old rituals don't hold the power anymore. That's not how we relate to God. So Paul is warning against that teaching. And you can tell uh, uh, how, by his language, how strongly he wants people to understand that. There is no Jesus and theology. Our righteousness, our right standing with God is only found in Christ Jesus. And it's a deadly belief when you add anything else to that faith to count on your salvation. As he continues on in verse 3, he makes it very clear that in Christ, those things are are done. (laughs) They're dead and gone. Those old physical rights, they don't, don't mean anything anymore. To settle the matter even further, you see, Paul's going to use himself as an example. He's going to tell a story of his own life to demonstrate the futility, the uselessness, if you will, of trusting in those old things. Look at what he says in the latter half of verse 4. He says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, remember he's talking about that belief that you have to have Jesus and there's something else going on. He says, if someone else thinks they have reason for that confidence, I would have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. If uh, there were two Jewish men trying to have a bragging contest, the Apostle Paul would have been able to one-up anyone. He would have won any contest about the who's who in Judaism. You see, his trophy case uh, was far more impressive than any Stanley Cup. You see, as a baby, his parents took him to the temple. They, They followed the letter of the law for his circumcision right down to the letter to the very day. He was born into the right nation. He was even a part of the special tribe of Benjamin. He spoke the right language. He knew the law forwards and backwards. He lived the Jewish life according to the law perfectly. And he was so zealous that he even persecuted Christians. If you were to look at his life in the realm of the Jewish faith, he was absolutely killing it. (laughs) He was bigger than Taylor Swift. He had it going on. But look what he says. Look what he says in verse 7. All of those things, he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's previous life, man, that, that trophy case was one of status, was of achievement. He, he's really using accounting terms. If you like Excel sheets, this one's for you. He's using accounting terms here. He, he used to count all those things. All of those trophies were a gain to him. They were a profit. They bolstered him up. They were something he believed in. But now, but now, they're a loss. They're a loss. Now that he's met Jesus, he considers all of those old things, all those old things a waste of time, a loss, because he knows and he's understanding. He's experiencing true righteousness through the person of Jesus and nothing else. All those old trophies are kind of meaningless now. You know, as I'm studying this and working through this week, I I think it's, I know it's easy for me, 
think it's easy for us to miss the significance of what he's saying here because we, we're not that familiar with the Jewish context. Uh, so I, I tried to give some thought, like, what would this list look like if we were going to make it? If you wanted to make a, a bragging rights list, what would it look like? And so this is some stuff I came up with. If we were going to make a, a, a one-up list for religion, I, I was born in the United States, born in a free country with liberty, a Christian nation after all, right? My grandparents, my parents, they were all devout Christians. I, I served the church. I, I was in church Sunday for both services. I uh, went to the revivals. I went to the Bible studies, the VBS, the kids camp. Uh, I was baptized as a teenager back in 73. Went to a Christian school. Went to a Christian college. I even work in a nonprofit helping the poor. I, I volunteered done the small group thing. I give 15% of my income because I want to go above and beyond the 10% tithe. Paul would look at that list today and say, I count it all a loss for the sake of Christ. That starts to make us really tune in a little bit, doesn't it? You know, as he is counting all these things as loss, look, he doesn't even stop there. Look where he goes in verse 8. He says, what's more? So verse 7 says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more? I consider everything, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You see, Paul's made a conscious decision here. He's made a, a conscious decision over his past and his present that anything that would distract him or take away from living the Jesus life, he is accounting as a loss. Because you see, Paul has found the greatest treasure in all of life in intimacy in the person of Jesus. Everything else pales in comparison. I've just been convicted. Like, is that how valuable relationship with Jesus is to me? Is that how valuable it is to you? Paul's greatest treasure in life is relationship with Jesus. And, and this is no shallow, easy thing for him. Uh, look at what he says. He says, for whose sake I have lost all things. What's behind that? Let, let's think through that a little bit. Uh, in Paul's old life, uh, in his old trophy case, uh, he would have had status. He would have had power, he would have had influence, probably a nice house. He'd have got privileged to the good wine, the good food. He'd have had uh, authority. People would have recognized him on the street. He'd have been the who's who. But now, but now, his body is racked and bent from torture being beaten. Now he's writing a, a letter as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus from prison, chained to a Roman guard. And for Paul, that's victory. That's victory because he's found the true treasure and in intimacy with Jesus. All the rest of it, all the rest of it can go to the side. Relationship with Jesus the most valuable and precious thing in life. He says, I can, and, and, and again, he could have stopped here and it would have been fine, right? But he keeps going. He says, all those things, I consider them garbage, stuff to be thrown out, no good 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, Paul's learned. He worked so hard in his religious efforts before Jesus, but now he's learned. Now he's learned that true righteousness, true right standing before God is only found through the person of Jesus. And he's writing his friends the safeguard. You remember that? Like this whole thing is a safeguard, a protection. The protection there is to understand that religion has no power to save you. Religion has no power to save you. Only Jesus does. Only Jesus. So so let's go back. Let's pick up our 2023 example again, right? So godly parents, good schooling, volunteering, uh, uh, strict adherence to the rules, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't run with those that do. See, y'all know that. Got that down. Give your money to charity. All of those good things have no power in and of themselves to save you. Only Jesus can do that. And friends, that's the warning for us today. We too can have this text and this truth be a safeguard for us. Because so many times uh, uh, enter into conversation with someone, someone you meet or bump into or an old friend, however, you'll run into someone and and the conversation will turn to faith. And when when someone wants to start talking about their faith, they say things like, well, oh oh, yeah, I went to church as a kid. I, I enjoyed it. I was baptized as a teenager. All right. Uh, well, I try to be a good person. I don't cheat anybody. I don't lie. I don't steal. I try to be a good person. I work hard. Here's a touching one. Yeah, I go to church. What do we mean by that? You see, so many times when we begin to think about Uh, our relationship, what faith means, what it means to be a Christian, we begin to look at those things first instead of the person of Jesus. And friends, the warning is that those things can creep in. We can be so distracted. We might try to use those things. We might try to use our good points to solve or to help calm or put a balm, if you will, on an aching heart of conviction where God is calling us forth in true righteousness. We try to point to those things, but I go to church, I I give my money to the poor, but God's calling us to intimacy, to repentance, and we want to look to works. And the safeguard is don't ever forget Don't ever lose sight of the person of Jesus and his righteousness at work in you. He is who saves you, friends. Religion has no power to save anyone. It's only in the person of Jesus. If you were uh, with us on Easter, you uh, will probably remember this gentleman. Uh, But we played a clip. Uh, Our Easter message uh, was about the repentant thief on the cross. Uh, he cried out to the Lord, and he cried out to Jesus there, the Lord on the cross, and said, remember me. And Jesus says, uh, surely this day you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, we played a video uh, of a pastor named Alistar Begg, and his accent makes it just so much more better as he teaches it so much more better. Yeah, write that one down. Uh, so much better, but he illustrates this truth, uh, uh, talking about what it is that saves you, what it is that true righteousness is. 
And I, I just want us to take this in because this is the truth of the passage today. So let's watch. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you, were, you, were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now, that's the... That is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. Yet you made it. <laughs> I, I want to be as clear as I can possibly be. Um, We've been studying now for, for weeks, uh, repeatedly talking about living out our faith, the necessity of shaping our lives after the person of Jesus, of, of focusing on him, about the inseparable bond, the link between uh, what we believe and how we live. And friends, today, those weeks of teaching and today are not in conflict. They're not in conflict because, you see, today's teaching is to think, uh, is a warning about believing that those things are the way we get salvation, or what makes us righteous is our works. The warning is, and the truth today for us, friends, is that is only found in the person of Jesus in intimacy and relationship with him. Those other things are great. They're good expressions, and, and God is going to transform your life, friend. 
when you put your faith in him and you begin to develop that relationship with him, you will be transformed following him in faith. Hallelujah, we don't live the life we used to live in Christ Jesus. But what saves us is nothing other than his blood and his righteousness. And we must never lose sight of that truth because it's deadly. When we think that the way we do things or the good life we live is what saves us, we've gone away from the gospel and the person of Jesus. And friends, as a young person, uh, I had that lineup, right, of growing up in church and, and hearing it. And, and I don't know how I got distracted in this. I, because I know the pastor that was preaching all the time I was listening to, I, I felt like the Christian life was all about the rules. The don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those that do. Like that sort of thing, right? I thought that that was it. But nobody taught me that. But yet I believed it. And so there was this thing where in my life, I didn't want to do all that. I didn't understand the relationship aspect. And so I thought that those rules that was all that it meant to be a Christian, well, forget that. I want to go have fun with my buddies. And I missed intimacy with Jesus because of that. And when we start to look at other things or think that it's all about the rules instead of the person of Jesus, we miss it and we're in danger of missing him entirely. Religion has no power to save anyone. Only Jesus can. Uh, as the band comes up, what are you trusting in today? Look, I, I'm for the good stuff. Like, let's live the Jesus life together. Let's be transformed uh, from a position of relationship. Not to earn our salvation, but to live it out. To grow our relationship with the person of Jesus. Hey, I, please keep coming to church. <laughs> like, I hope you do. It's just a sound check without you, okay? Get baptized. This summer, we're going to be over here in the river. Let's, let's do that together. Let's serve together. Hey, I hope you give 25% of your income to the church. Hallelujah. But don't ever think that those things save you. Those are expressions of a relationship we must have with the person of Jesus. What are you trusting in today? If, if we were to have to answer the, what did he call the Fort Lauderdale question, why would you get into heaven tonight? How do you answer that? Because I was a good person. Because I, you know, we're already in the wrong. It's because he, the person of Jesus, saved us what are you trusting in today Paul when he was writing to his friends he concludes there in verse 10 and 11 his new life view is this he says I want to know Christ all my trophies all that stuff garbage and gone I want to know Christ Woo! <laughs> I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Friends, take it from the Apostle Paul. Religion doesn't have the power to save you. Only Jesus can. You know, I want to be a little bit like Paul. 
Because that would make us, make me, make you the least religious person ever. Because it's relationship. Hallelujah. So what are you trusting in today? Maybe you're here today finding freedom in this text. Maybe, maybe somehow uh, you believe like I used to, that this, the whole Christian experience was don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with those that do. Maybe you thought that's all there was to this thing. Friends, hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ today, that it's relationship in Him. Your life is going to change. Life's going to flow out of that relationship. But your salvation is in Him alone. Will that be your heart cry today? To just say, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. Uh, we're going to respond in communion today. Um, we believe that within the sacrament of communion, it's, there's a means of grace there that, that something's happening. <laughs> something's happening by the Holy Spirit. When we believe and approach the elements in faith, that God is present and he is there. The bread and the cup are symbols that we receive and partake in through faith. They're an expression of our desire for intimacy and participation with Jesus. And so today we're going to do that. We're going to express that desire. So the invitation today is simple. It's to come and to receive and to say, I want to know Christ. So if that's your heart cry today, I would invite you to receive the elements. To express that desire, that intimacy with the person of Jesus. You, you don't have to be a member of the local church uh, to receive these elements. We just ask that you would be sincere. This, this is a sacred thing. And so if your heart's not there yet, if you're not sincere, I would invite you, but nobody's going to make you. See, Jesus doesn't force anyone into relationship with him. It's an invitation. And that is before you today. And so the invitation is if you want to know Christ, come receive the bread and the cup. As you come, I would invite you to stand. The elements have been prepared to my left here in the front, and there's multiple tables in the back. The elements, the... Bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. The blood of our Lord Jesus shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And be thankful. As your heart cries out to know the Lord, may you... Receive the elements today in Holy Communion. You may receive as the Lord gives you permission. Father in heaven, we thank you today for this opportunity, Lord. We thank you for the Apostle Paul's courageous words, his warning and safeguard for us today not to lose focus on you. His warning not to trust our own works, not to trust our trophies, Lord, but to trust only in you. And so, Lord, today there's freedom in that. There's power in that relationship with you, Lord Jesus. You will transform our lives. That's the goodness of who you are. And 
we want to experience and express that relationship through every aspect of our lives. And so, Lord, today as we receive the elements, we say, yes, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. Search our hearts today, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.